You are listening to an MLGA Network podcast. Welcome to Thank You for Your Servers, a show which looks at the tech news of today, but from a libertarian perspective. Now here is your host, Thaddeus Preston, a.k.a. Nick Way. Hello, fam. Another solo episode for Thank You for Your Servers. I'm Thaddeus Preston, a.k.a. Nick Way. Follow me on Twitter at Nick Way, N-I-C-K-W-A-Y-E. Yet again, no Gary. But we're working tirelessly to get him out of the social media gulag so we can get back together and bring you the Liberty Podcast that you've learned to love. But this and other podcasts are brought to you by the MLGA Network of Podcasts. Let's make Liberty great again, fam. And with no further ado, let's get into the subject matter at hand. This particular podcast will be a little challenging, a little difficult for people to, um, I don't know, like and it's a subject that i've been looking into and really just a thing i have observed in all my years of following tech news and really it's what shaped my liberty perspective when it came to a much more objective look at the tech news as it has changed over the last i have to say 10 years and it's basically this kind of i don't know what to call it but technological gaslighting, particularly on a lot of social media platforms, and how that is interweaved with a social justice narrative that has started on universities in the early part of the 20th, 21st century, and has started to now slowly migrate into the publications, and even to a certain extent, some of the sciences that have made the tech industry the thing that I fell in love with back in the early 2000s when I would cheer for this the plucky startup where there were some guys in the garage typically white guys typically guys with a with a pack of ramen noodles a computer and a dream to start companies that we know today from paypal to facebook to twitter to instagram to i mean we can even go back as far as google excite for those of you who under, who are old enough to remember Excite, um, I've always been enamored with this industry because in the late 20th century and early 21st century, they were the, the robber barons that not only that we, we needed, that we deserved. They were socially conscious. They were almost sort of anarchists. They were the biggest believers in disruption and decentralization. And it's why for the very long time, the underlying ethos, though many wouldn't probably say it out loud, particularly in the Bay Area, the underlying ethos of the Valley was libertarian. But there has been a shift, and the shift has been slightly disturbing. And in this episode, I'm going to step you through why the anatomy of this gaslighting of the, of the American white, as I like to call it, not just the right, but white, is insidious, it's dangerous, and it slowly but surely began to infect a lot of the great things that the companies that come out of Silicon Valley, and that's just kind of a moniker for overall 
technology, right? Because in the, in the past 10, 15 years, it's a lot more distributed. It isn't simply in the, uh, in the area between uh, the five, the I-5 and the 101, um, south of the Bay, north of San Jose. Um, it's not just a geographic location. It's an ethos, and I've seen it come under increasingly as increasing assault. Unless you've been living under a rock, I think we've all been equally horrified and dismayed about, I will bluntly say, the murder of George Floyd at the hands of four police officers from the Minneapolis Police Department. As of this recording, all four, all four subjects are in custody and charges are being filed. And as a, not to pull my race card here, but as a black man, it, it, it gives you pause. It definitely makes you think uh, reflexively that maybe things aren't great out there. I'm an optimist and I still believe in the country. Uh, I've fought in its wars and I've done my duty for empire, but I, I, I don't inherently think the place is terrible or racist or not on purpose. But increasingly, I've grown more and more worried about the fact that we might be creating the very environment for which Black Lives Matter and other activist groups are protesting against. You are not furthering the cause of social justice. You're exacerbating the division and mistrust. You're telling people that Black Lives Matter, and they do, and these people, like myself, agree. And we empathize with that. But we can all agree that all lives matter. Hashtag I'm now canceled. And that we shouldn't whitewash the atrocities of the police because what they've been doing for many, many years has been pretty much brutal. But here's the deal. We empathize with you. But do you empathize with Duncan Lemp? And if this is the first time you've ever heard that young man's name, then that is the gaslighting that I'm talking about. It's not that they didn't cover the no-knock raid that took Mr. Lemp's life. It's that because I believe he was Caucasian, that police brutality was given a, eh, kind of a Passover. Eh, tragic, awful, police are terrible. Narrative, you know, narrative continues on that front. But there weren't many protests. There were some angry white folks who are always pointing out the fact that these things are never greatly publicized, but they, are, were, they were ignored. Their concerns are always ignored. And they're ignored because I believe they're white. And they are ultimately part of a systemic white supremacist system that uh, you must ignore. And that their cries for justice in the face of, of police brutality don't count as much. This is what exacerbates it. And then when some of these people go on social media, which is basically a ref now this awful mirror and reflection on our culture, they don't see anything about it. Or at least they don't see a lot of outrage about it, unless one is in his own filter bubble. So why would I so dangerously trek into this territory? Let me start by first giving you head so a list of headlines. The first headline, Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey gives $3 million 
to Colin Kaepernick's organization. It's good for him. That's good for him because he feels guilty because he has a lot and he feels his money and in essence, his platform could be best served helping out this cause. Eh, that's fine. Nothing really wrong with that. But the plot thickens. This is from the Silicon Valley Insider. A diversity consultant says, real change may hit the tech industry due to the George Floyd protests and the coronavirus crisis. Silicon Valley hasn't changed much after, the, after past scrutiny, but this time could be different. And the takeaway quote from this, to further in, incite the audience here is, but a combination of the coronavirus crisis and the protests over the deaths, uh, death of George Floyd have led to a new moment in the valley where it may finally be forced to contend with its own legacy of systematic racism. What? Okay, um, moving, moving on from The Verge. Facebook. So what Facebook doesn't understand about the Facebook lockout. The company is treating a moral issue as if it's a legal one. What is this about? And I read from the article. Facebook made one of the most controversial content moderation decisions in company history. After President Trump posted to Facebook some tweets that Twitter had placed behind a warning for glorifying violence. In the previous episode of Thank You for Your Servers, I highlighted via this discussion about the Section 230 of the Communication Decency Act of 1996, this one tweet was kind of placed behind a paywall and one was fact-checked. Um, the, the president is known for posting slightly incendiary rhetoric on Twitter. Um, this one tweet in particular basically harkened back to a quote from a you know Miami uh, police department uh, chief when the, when talking about the 1968 uh, Republican National Convention that was taking place in Miami at the time, in contrast to the 1968 Democratic uh, nominating convention in Chicago, which was like a bloody mess, quite literally. Uh, his infamous quote was, when the shooting, when the looting starts, the shooting starts. And this was kind of referenced in the tweet from the president. Um, so Mark Zuckerberg basically says, I know many people are upset that we left the president's post out, but our position is that we should enable as much expression as possible unless it will cause imminent risk of a specific harms or dangers spelled out in clear policies. So as far as he is concerned, the basically the owner of the company, the tweet was bad, but not against policies. And we can discuss all day long the fact that these policies are, um, let's just say, unevenly applied, depending on one's political view, again. Um, but this is what he decided. And the valley hence erupts. So you don't play, you don't, do, you, you got to do what Twitter did and not only place, you know, remove a tweet or put, you know, you know, uh, barriers, virtual barriers around the tweet and explain it and or fact check it. But to pay your woke tithing, you must give to the right organizations that support Black Lives Matter or any of these groups protesting police brutality. 
Now, should Mr. Zuckerberg acquiesce to this mob? Well, here's what's happening at his company. People are walking out. Quoting again from the piece on The Verge, I'm a Facebook employee that completely disagree with, disagrees with Mark's decision to do nothing about Trump's recent tweet, which clearly incite violence. Huh. Does it? Okay, maybe it does. So this guy by the name of uh, Jason Sturman uh, works for R&D. Um, and he's not alone, of course. Um, tons of former uh, employees of Twitter and Google who now work um, at Facebook have echoed the sentiment and have tweeted about it, which is what you do to virtue signal the fact that you're disappointed. And the fact of the matter is we've had these discussions in the past about the infiltration, and I do use that word, and the infection of a lot of these Silicon Valley companies and how hard it is for them to do the job of innovating now because there must be some social responsibility associated with the very thing that these people sit back behind cubicles or open offices and code. And it's made doing business very, very difficult from places like Alphabet and Twitter and Facebook. And I mean, we could name the companies. And it's making, you know, it's gotten to the point where Alphabet, particularly under, even under Sindar Pichai, who sent out his own virtual signaling message for his staff and the world to see, he's even started firing and forcing out a lot of these activists who, who, who form walkouts, who dictate company policy for how, for business it needs to um, pursue um, to the point now where Google says it will no longer make custom-made uh, custom uh, uh, AI and ML tools for the oil and gas extraction industries, which is silly because the oil and gas extraction industries have just as smarter people who can use the same platforms to make their own things. This is, this, all this is, all this is dangerous. And now you're going to have your rainbow coalition types and your diversity types marching to the valley. Oh, but the pressure doesn't stop there. Prominent Silicon Valley venture capitalist Om Malik is urging people to boycott Facebook. So Om is a smart man. Om talked, um, can wax very eloquently about the valley. He's been in the valley for almost 30 years. Um, I used to read his blog before, uh, it, you know, before the uh, second dot-com bust, I guess. I guess the web 2.0 bust where everyone had a blog. Uh, Giga Ohm was a great blog uh, back in the day. It's no longer. Um, it's it got sold off, and it's not it's it's not what it used to be. Um, but he posted something t- two weeks ago about the promise coming out of this pandemic about what the valley will become and what it will do. It's such beautiful things. It's like yeah, like we've now learned that working from home is now a thing, and that we probably need to build better tools because the tools we currently have kind of suck at it. And it was an optimistic post. It was not a nihilistic post based on one's self-described outrage about Facebook. Very little secret about Facebook, as well as places like as well as companies like Uber. The mavericks of the valley, who were always thought of as the dicks, and always thought of as the people with the most ill-gotten gains. The valley hated Bill Gates in the 90s and early 2000s. You don't understand. Today, they praise him and his wife for their malaria things and polio things and vaccines and giving money to all these social justice causes or all these environmental causes and stuff. But 20 years ago, they hated him. And the same is true, I think, of Zuckerberg 
Um, he's but, but here's the deal. Facebook is the wrong avatar for this, right? Because <laughs> it's funny. The true avatar of, of hate that is the cult of this SJW Valley culture uh, wants Facebook to repent. And they've always wanted to destroy Facebook, even though they all sit on Facebook. <laughs> right. And even though they they all use it, they all use Uber and Lyft, even if in their articles they write about how these companies are exploitative. But here's the deal. Let's not make Zuckerberg the martyr to say that. And to insinuate that Facebook doesn't censor tweets, take down tweets, put people in the what we call Zuck gulag. To say that they are just this wild, wild west that allows all kinds of hate speech to spew and stuff like is a goddamn lie. It happens to this day. They just don't virtue signal to the entire world that they're doing it. See, the problem with Twitter is, and its culture, and its CEO, is this constant need to show the world that they are trying to police hate speech, which is the most subjective-ass term ever. But the Valley hates Zuckerberg for this, even though on the DL, he's doing their bidding. Because how many people who have posted things about any narrative that is counter to the cultural narrative, which is ideologically ran by, let's just say it, those who are left of center on these platforms rule the day. If you go against that, you, you get pushed off. You get pushed back on. You said anything about the WHO. Your videos are getting bounced off of YouTube. Your videos are getting taken down off of Facebook. Your posts are being taken down off of Facebook and Twitter. Or they're, uh, or they're putting addendums to your tweets and or posts. This is that tries to fact check you. I mean, it exists as a thing and it stifles all kinds of things. And not to get on a tangent about the current situation that we are now emerging from when we talk about COVID-19, God forbid you posted any counter narrative to mm, this might be a little overboard or mm, I wouldn't quite trust the WHO or Mm, would you? Uh, well, the president does say that hydro, hydroxychloroquine uh, paired with um, antivirals and antibiotics seem to be effective. No, it's not. Come to find out, as of this broadcast, the very study that was trying to push back on the use of hydrochloroquine, for which global trials were stopped and lives were placed at risk, the very study that prompted all that to happen was. Bullshit. But the but people who were posting about it or who were skeptical of it were getting yanked off these platforms. But that's a long way of saying, don't cry for Mark. Back to the article about Ol Malik. Ol Malik is a prominent Silicon Valley venture capitalist, and he's calling for the 2.5 million users to make a moral decision and delete their accounts. He basically said in his blog post, um uh comparing uh quitting Facebook to voting. And we all know that if you vote the wrong way, you get condemnation from Ohm and his ilk. Just as casting a vote can help, 
derive a candidate of off a candidate of off the private candidate of office and prevent an abuse of power. Malik says that deleting the Facebook account helped slam the company's business. We might be one person with just one account, but you are not powerless. Malik wrote, framing the decision to quit as an act of civil duty. If you believe that Facebook is causing long-term damage to our society and you don't agree with the values or their approach to doing business, you can choose to leave. This is true. This is very much true. Now, I, pref I prefer not to get off of Facebook because my Facebook feed outside of the groups I'm in, not terribly toxic because I really don't use it to post too many of my political views. Eh, every once in a while, I'll rant a bit about the state. But other than that, I don't care. Um, I still, and, and even though I believe his take on this is eh, misguided, wrong, <laughs> um, I might agree with some of it, you know, the long-term damage to our society. Yeah, yeah, a little overwrought, but I can see. But it's, it's silly to think that any of these platforms are your friend when it comes to this. And now back to the gaslighting I so prominently picked out. So peaceful Black Lives Matter protests have basically turned into riots when interlopers from the local neighborhood in Antifa turn basically a peaceful protest in the rioting and looting. Now, that, unfortunately, that changes the narrative on it, doesn't it? But when that, so that narrative starts to change because suddenly using social media further enables organizations of mass protests that not only sully the name and memory of George Floyd, but that puts the lie to the myth that these were mainly peaceful protests. Basically, that's what they started out as. And interlopers came in. But once the interlopers came in, be it Antifa, be it white nationalists, which I'll get to in a second, or be it just local cats from the hood wanting to just burn stuff down, burning down buildings, the burning down of buildings, private property, and police stations, the press, tech press in particular, would have you believe these things turned south by the agitation of white nationalists and white nationalist groups who were just co-opting Twitter accounts to foment violence. Nothing could be further from the truth. See, this is about chaos. And so when the pretty little narrative of Black Lives Matter turned to something co-opted by leftists and generally just bad actors, Antifa groups, then they started the slow turn, the slow gaslighting. You start seeing reports of white nationalist movements doing certain things. White nationalists, white nationalists co-opting Twitter accounts. A Twitter, see, this is from this Yahoo News article. And, and, and just, just listen to this here. So a Twitter account claiming to belong to a national anti organization and pushing violent rhetoric related to ongoing protests have been linked to the white nationalist group called Identity Evropa. It's E-V-R-O-P-A, according to a Twitter spokesperson. The spokesperson said that the account violated the company's platform manipulation and spam policies, specifically the creation of fake accounts. Twitter suspended the account after the tweet, after that tweet incited violence, which they have no direct proof that it, it did. Um, as protests were taking place in multiple states across the U.S. Sunday night, this would have been last, last Sunday, um, the newly created account, at Antifa underscore U.S., tweeted, Tonight's tonight, comrades, with a brown raised fist emoji, and tonight we F the city. Right? 
So suddenly I'm supposed to believe that the only reason this started getting crazy is because white nationalists with spam bot Twitter accounts started fomenting hatred. And in another beautiful story from NBC News, your choice in news, videos, threats, a few signs protests have been stoked by outsider extremist groups. So here's where they pull it back, right? And here's the argument they would have you say. In the beginning, people were saying that there might be some outside agitators from outside of town, particularly in Minneapolis, coming in town, like just tearing stuff up. But when the right-wing media starts saying that, yeah, yeah, you know who those outside agitators are? Antifa. Then the press went into overdrive and said, well, Antifa, maybe some white nationalists, but no, no, it's mainly people from, you know, inside the city tearing stuff up. So none of those are positive for the people of your state or your city. From the article, unrest, violence, and property destruction in the cities across the U.S. on Saturday, this was last Saturday when things were pretty much at their zenith, showed few signs of having been stoked by organized extremists, despite a growing narrative from several political figures that outside groups are to blame for some of the worst scenes of the recent protests. Some fringe groups, most notably anti-government Boogaloo members with guns, were seen in numerous cities stoking the fear that more severe violence could be ahead. But see, you gotta go down here and look very deep. But little evidence for those claims has been put forward in the previous statement by the mayor of St. Paul that most of the people arrested on Friday in Minneapolis for from out of town was later walked back. So which is it? The narratives keep switching on people so quickly. Which side do I side on? But see, before they started stepping this back, I saw on Twitter this tweet about follow the you are being watched hashtag if you want to talk about the boogaloo. See, there are organizations on Twitter tracking who went into action to track down these white nationalist boogaloo groups. So. What organizations are tracking you? If you happen to say hashtag boogaloo, and if you're a white guy with a gun, a flag vest, and a love for liberty. The Network Contagion Research Institute is one of those two. They're one of those institutions that go out on social media and they try to look for things. See, they're a, uh, to come from their site, a neutral and independent third party whose mission is to track, expose, and come back combat misinformation, deception, manipulation, and hate across social media channels. Acting as a public benefit corporation, the National Contagion Research Institute is a nonprofit organization that seeks to explore safe ways to audit, reveal challenges, devise solutions, and create transparency in partnership with social media platforms, public safety organizations, and government agencies. The government used these useful idiots and their virtue to aid the very apparatus of the state, an apparatus that their ideological ally says is brutal and racist, to violate civil liberties and aim this brutal apparatus at their enemies. Because once you do that, you do understand you inflict violence on those who perpetuate white supremacy, right? And while some of you may stand up and clap and cheer that, that is violence. The very apparatus that you say is the most brutal when it comes to interactions with protesters and the black community, you're willing to sick on people who are just commenting on the social media platforms for which they're being sequestered most of the time anyway. 
that we will sick the brutal arm of the state on you? See, here's their conclusions if you look at, the, if you read this. Because if you go to their site, man, like, all their articles are just like, they're specifically out there looking for right-wing extremism, which is equated to white supremacy, white nationalism, which means orange man bad. Exposure to the Boogaloo meme has increased sharply on mainstream social media communities, and many users in these communities could be at risk for indoctrination at, that, at a large scale. Our qualitative examination shows Facebook and Instagram harbor large Boogaloo groups with tens of thousands of users. Promotional memes and commercial material linked to more, rad more radical communities or invitations to encrypted messaging systems all surface on the mainstream communi communities for Boogaloo ideology and act as a potential access point for exposure and radicalization. So what are their recommendations to stop this from happening? Civil society must deploy big data approaches to monitor and track pathways for radicalization, indexing links, users, and groups as viral ideologies infect mainstream communities. Let me go, before I read the next recommendation, let me go back to their mission. Acting as a public benefit corporation, the NCRI is a not-for-profit organization that seeks to explore safe ways to audit, reveal challenges, devise solutions, create transparency and partnership with social media platforms, public safety organizations, and government agencies. Their second recommendation to stop this dastardly radicalization that's basically co-opted the angelic Black Lives Matter movement. Mapping specific pathways to mainstream to the mainstream for these ideologies can help facilitate more focused collaboration for mainstream platforms that seek to be good Samaritans, such as Twitter and Reddit, and help provide signals for better moderation as needed. So what two companies have been the most virtue signally, quote unquote, transparent, the loudest and the most egregious? about silencing speech, who Jack Dorsey, their CEO, he gave $3 million to the Colin Kaepernick charity, Twitter and Reddit. Time series analysis can signal an extremism climate and facilitate a weather station for trends in extremism on a meme by meme basis. They're looking and doing data analytics on memes. Such a station is needed to create alerts and notifications, which can be adapted for the use of information, vaccines. They use, you see how they're using these terms? Not, a physical, not an actual vaccine, just information vaccines, you know, so that your antibodies are, 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 are attuned to misinformation. Strategic counter messaging and campaigns for better moderation. So look, I'm already too long on this, but you, you start to see this anatomy of a smear, an anatomy of a technological gaslighting, which has basically just been, is being fomented and basically brainwashing, I hate to say it, a lot of these people who work in the tech press, who work at these tech companies. See, social media companies blinded by their slavish devotion to social justice have removed posts, shadow banned, removed tweets, added addendum to tweets and posts on Facebook and all, and all they do is, in an this is all in an effort at gaslighting an entire population whose thinking might be a little, like I say, right of Mao. And, and it says that they're racist and white nationalists and, and white supremacists and someone who is 
who is just not an ally of Black Lives Matter or George Floyd or decency. This isn't conspiracy, man. This is fact. I've seen it with my own, with my own lion eyes. So what's, there's a new virus taking place that has replaced the coronavirus or the COVID-19 as we now begin to emerge from a lockdown that we will, history will probably write was not necessary. A virus of mass delusion and guilt is what it is, of wokeness. The only way one can absolve themselves of this guilt and complicity with the sins of the society is a woke tithing. Hence, go back to Jack Dorsey. I know YouTube is giving money. I know venture capitalists in the Valley are now like, well, we should probably give more money to uh, underserved communities. Okay. Venture capitalists and Jack Dorsey and Facebook are free to give money to these organizations. Give it. Wait, I don't care. That's fine. Um, but this, um, this woke tithing, a sort of virtue signaling tax on guilt and complicity, complicity here of your complicity and whiteness will not stop the mob. What the Valley has failed to realize, along with a lot of other institutions we're learning about today, is that there is no repentance. To go back to the first story about the diversity consultant, Yvonne, that's Y-Vaughn, or Yavon, I think, right? Yeah, it's probably Yavon. Um, is they're bringing more scrutiny on Silicon Valley. It's almost like the Jesse Jackson, Al Sharpton shakedowns of the 80s and 90s. Silicon Valley has achieved much power. And it's, it's definitely raised the ire of the state. And it's raised the ire of the state is because the state no longer, through the press, has a monopoly on information. This is why the press and the tech press go so hard at Facebook and Twitter. And Twitter has tried its best to kowtow to that mob and be the good internet citizen that they should be because, God forbid, they might have had a hand in the election of Orange Man Bad. And the, what is the avatar of this legacy of systematic racism that they're trying to fight against. What systematic racism in the Valley has been a thing? There might be a sexism thing because it's a heavily male-dominated industry, but even that, I, feel, I, fail, I, I fail to see is, is relevant. I, I think that's a myth. I, I should know. I've raised daughters. Women aren't really interested in tech. I'm just, I'm sorry to say. They, some of them, who are introverted are no offense most of the female developers who i know are weird most of the female engineers i know are weird i've raised daughters i've had daughters go to school for very technical fields and what do they ended up doing working at animal shelters working <laughs> working working as photographers um you know all kinds of other things i tried to teach them to code they don't care so that, I digress, but I mean, that's the point. We've heard this before. There was this big narrative to get more women in tech. We have more women in tech now, right? But here's the deal. It's still not enough. We need more um, diversity in tech. In the, you know, when they say diversity, they want people of color. They want Hispanics and um, African-Americans. They don't want um, East Asians, i.e. Um, people from the Indian subcontinent, um, Chinese. No, those are the wrong races you want. It's not gonna, it's not gonna work, man. It's not gonna work. And they're going to double down. See, Instagram, so I think Snapchat just got into the business of not pro no longer promoting any of Donald Trump's um, uh, tweets or, or posts on uh, Snapchat. Cite and, and, uh, uh, implicating and basically says that he's inciting racial violence and injustice. So by doing that, you've basically told the 
62 million people who voted for Donald Trump in 2016. You, by extension, call them racist because the tribalism is real. You're not going to get rid of it. See, Silicon Valley should just be building the future, man. They, they really have to get out of this culture war, these culture, cultural battles. I don't care about your virtue. If one more CEO pens a goddamn letter about how they are against police brutality and for Black Lives Matter or for Black Lives, I'm going to vomit. We know you do. We all do. It is not an either or. You can basically say police brutality kind of sucks. Also, Black Lives Matter. Also, all lives matter. Also, I don't know, man. Maybe, just maybe, looting and burning down your cities and basically pulling back the thin veneer of civilization, maybe that ain't positive. You can hold two thoughts at the same time. So here's my, here's what I implore or implore the Silicon Valley elites to do. Grab these little pieces of shit that you've hired over the last 10 years by their scruff and tell them, we are here to build the future. We are not here to make any social stand. Take that nonsense off campus where it belongs. On these campuses, we build the future. We build machine learning algorithms that will be fair. We will build the things that this society needs to alleviate the issues that are underlying a lot of this anger in the African-American community and the minority community. Build tools against police brutality. Don't virtue signal and ginger reflect about why it's so bad. We know it's bad. Now that we know it's bad, do something about it. Build the future. Get out of these battles, these cultural battles. You know why the right has turned on social media and the left? And now you have social scientists that are sitting back saying that everything that the Valley is doing to make money and bring us the cool things we want are bad. Why Uber is bad. Why UBI has to happen. You need to build a future that makes the state irrelevant. Go back to what you were, you originally jumped on the internet and you originally built computers, you originally built the autonomous, anything, the, the technology that has enabled me to sit here and rant at you and tell you, build the goddamn future. And don't get caught up in this nonsense. This is darkness. And if we're gonna get to the Star Trek shit on the other side of darkness, leave these battles alone. You've raised the ire of a madman in the White House. You've raised the ire of the mob that is Antifa. Turn your efforts toward finding cures for viruses for the first time in human history. Turn your, your efforts against you know, the injustices that are going on in the inner city and build tools that empower the inner city to not only hold police accountable, but to hold their community accountable, to build the technologies of the future, help with the digital divide. I don't know, dig up some streets, lay some goddamn fiber, put up some Wi-Fi towers, do whatever it is you do. Because I don't give a shit what you know about politics. Because here's the deal. Most of you, before your balls drop, have no idea what politics are. You have no idea about your history. You have no idea about anything. You are good at this thing that we all respected you for, that I came into this respecting you for, and that's building the future. Don't plunge us into darkness. Don't destroy the Bill of Rights just because mean things are said or because Orange Man's bad or because, you know, the protests 
that had such angelic origins has turned twisted and evil, as it always is apt to do. Don't turn a blind eye to police brutality to white folk. Don't sit there and gaslight white folks that everything they've done is bad. Tell that to the Appalachian cats coming back from war, coming back from injury, dying of opioids. Tell them about their goddamn white privilege. No, man, work hard and build the future. There are going to be so many opportunities in the future to better mankind. Here and out there in space and on the moon and in Mars. People need all these things. They need something to be hopeful for. Don't drag them down into the muck of human, uh, of our ugly human history. I don't know. This is bad. When you gaslight an entire population against you, as I said before, you are not furthering the cause of social justice. You are exacerbating division and mistrust. You're telling people that Black Lives Matter and these people agree with you. They empathize with you. Don't let the secular religion of wokeness use you to build a technological infrastructure that tells people lies, gaslights an entire population, telling them that what they're seeing, their civilization around them, what they're seeing on social media isn't what they're seeing. And what's happening to them on social media isn't happening to them. That breeds resentment. That breeds your systematic white supremacy. And with that said, didn't mean to rant so long. Thank you for logging in to thank you for your servers. And I promise next episode will be a lot more positive.